Hey there, everyone. It's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and one of the most widely searched terms on YouTube are knockout videos. Now, whether it's a well-trained boxer who connects on his opponent's jaw, or just some guy who gets in a lucky shot in a street brawl, the effects are not only entertaining, but insightful. See, there's actually a science behind knocking someone out, and a reason why you should master this science for personal protection. This week, we're going to show you why that is, and help you become a knockout master. So, let's jump right in. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Defending yourself under the stress and chaos of a real street fight is no easy task, no matter how many hours that you've put into any kind of martial art or close quarters combat system. I mean, by now, you should know that when your adrenaline is jacked up, your fine motor skills, the ones that you need to pull off those complicated martial arts moves, go completely out the window. Now, I know a lot of diehard martial arts will argue this point till the cows come home, but there's something we can all agree on. An unconscious man can't hurt you. That means if you cannot escape an attacker, the most effective self-defense is to literally knock them out as quickly as possible, preferably in just one single strike. But is the one-strike knockout just a myth, a lucky punch, or a scientific reality that anyone can master regardless of your size or strength? Well, that's what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare in your role as a protector and a patriot. And joining us today is one of my very dear friends who has not only perfected the one-strike knockout, but was forced to perfect it out of survival in his own role as a hardcore doorman and bouncer at some of the toughest biker bars in the West. Please welcome back to the show, Peyton Quinn. Peyton, welcome back, man. Oh, it's always fun to be here, Jeff. You know, this is a this is a cool one because I've heard all of your your old war stories, your old your old crusty <laughs> barroom brawl stories, and um and this is something that you know it's it, there's a lot of theory out there. There's a lot of like do this martial art. If this person throws this punch, do that. Then you know that. But we know you know that a lot of it comes down to dealing with that bully, trying to get in that, you know, trying to end the fight as quickly as possible, especially in a barroom setting because there's all sorts of other things there, especially in like a biker bar, you know, that's, there's other buddies that are there. You know, there's somebody yeah, else that is going to... There's weapon potential, too. There's weapon potential. There's just cool, falling over a table and hitting your head on a bar stool or something like that. So, so this is why I was really excited to get you on for this. Now, listen, everyone, if you've, if you've not heard one of my bazillion interviews with Peyton before, he's one of my favorite people to have on the program. And he's a, he truly is. He would never admit it, but he's a real legend in the combatives industry and he's a true pioneer in training for how to effectively use reality-based self-defense strategies as well as firearms tactics in light of your body's natural response to life-or-death scenarios and what is called the adrenal stress response. Now, he's produced several DVDs and books on these topics, and the one common theme that you'll find in all of his training 
is that it really is based on real-world experience, not fantasy martial arts theory. Now, for more information about Peyton and his training, you can go to www.ramcat.com. That's R-M-C-A-T.com. Or he's done so much work, you can even just go to Amazon and Google the name Peyton Quinn, and you're going to see all the different works that he's done in there. He's, a, he's quite a prolific writer. So definitely go check out his stuff. Now, Peyton, not to get all technical and scientific here, but what exactly does cause a knockout? Well, Jeff, let me first say that uh, there are non-responders out there. Nothing works all the time. But here are the mechanisms that are involved in knocking someone out. There are basically three ways to affect a knockout, from striking a blow, that is. And all of these are strikes to the head or neck. All of them, all of them either torque the brain stem or bounce the brain in the skull so it hits the inside of the skull. Uh, <clears throat> or the, bl- the blow puts a spike, a high-pressure spike in their carotid artery, which feeds the brain. But the brain is very tiny capillaries. So the, the inside those carotid arteries are what's called baroreceptors, reading the pressure on the carotid artery feeding the brain. If it gets too high, like a spike when you chop it with the side of your hand, it opens up the heart valve, so blood pressure drops immediately, your knees buckle and you fall. So I, I'm not a real believer in, in the some of the Chinese stuff where you'd knock him out by hitting him in the arm. Uh, you'd go right for the neck and the head. That's, that's really it. So really what... Uh, there are also pain sensory overload techniques, but these are like the wrist locks from the Aikido or the Aikijitsu, and they take some training and skills to perfect. So so really, I mean, it's it's causing enough... I mean, the, the brain is kind of like that um, that central command center, if you will, for the central control nervous room, system. Yeah. yeah, it's the control room. Enter the room. control room is the expression I use when I'm teaching this. Enter the control room. I love that. <laughs> and create that overload. But I think what's also important is that you just that you brought up is that a knockout doesn't necessarily be where there there's little birds and stars floating right. around their head when they're down on the ground. Actually, anything that you can do in one strike or in just you know very very quickly that takes them out of the fight. To me, I think you know knocking them out of the fight completely and giving you the ability to either follow up or to leave, you know, even okay. just walk away and and and, you, and and take your exit. To me, is like a technical knockout. Yes. Most times, okay, it, it's important to realize that a knockout, knockout can be very transitory. That is like a momentary stun that allows you to either follow up with another blow or escape entirely. And I wouldn't walk away, I'd run away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, fighting is no game. It's legal and medical consequences. But we're going to combine this to uh, striking that blow. Yeah. Uh, when when I would hit a guy on the crowd guarder with the edge of my hand, so maybe slap down his hand as he tried to stop me from doing it, sometimes all that would happen is he would shake a little bit and his eyes would close. But that would give me that moment that I affected to put him in a hold or some other restraint. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Now, sometimes I, I intended to do that, and their knees buckled and they hit the ground. But I wouldn't let him hit the ground because, you know, the job was not 
the kid invites me first place to avoid him, and I would catch him. So I'd be prepared to catch him when I hit him on the side of the neck if they if if they were. Some people are more sensitive to others than these strikes. Well, you're you're probably the nicest bouncer in the West too. You know, it's true. <laughs> the, 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 the job is really a human relations job. Yeah. The, avoiding the fight, taking a hostile guy and, and being able to communicate with him where he is no longer interested in a physical altercation with you, that's the real that's real art. Well, that's that's important. So I, I, you know, a lot of times that we see these, you might see a knockout like in a YouTube fight or something like that, and yeah. these guys are kind of wailing away each other, wailing away. They're just trying to get that, that, and all of a sudden there's a lucky punch that gets in. Obviously, if you are the one that can throw that punch first, then and you have an unobstructed view, you don't have to worry as much about luck or anything like that. So, like you said, I mean, it's human relations. Like, what is that point? where that you've been able to recognize in all of the interviews that you've done with somebody right up in your face, ready to just, you know, throw down with you, mm-hmm. you know, in order to get that strike in, in order to say, okay, look, this guy, this, this is definitely going, this guy is not going to back down. He's not going to take my graceful exit. A fight is going to happen here. Um, I'm going to do it in one strike or whatever. I know exactly how to take this guy down. I'll buckle his knees or whatever, but it, it, you've got to take that strike. What is that moment that you ha- describe how to get to that moment where you say, okay, I'm going to have to do something here? That, that's a good question. It's, a, it, it's not easily responded to because it's, that too is almost, it's as much art or science and experience. But basically here I would have my hands up, not in a fist or anything, nothing aggressive. But yeah, so I was looking through my two hands. My eyes would be soft. I'd be stuck speaking to him to them clearly and then if i saw them moved move their hands around a lot well that means they're doing that so i get used to their hands moving around so when they throw the punch it'll be easier it's always an attempt at an ambush or sucker punch on you so then i would move mirroring their actions as i tried to calm them down and if they move to that spot a second time the perfect spot to throw the punch uh, then I wouldn't let them move a, th- a third time mm-hmm. because they just weren't getting it. And I would know, if, so if they start moving a third time, then whack, I'd preemptively not, uh, give them a stun, a stunning knockout or whatever, depending on how big the guy was. And this way it was safer for him and me because once fists start flying and people are throwing each other around the room, all kinds of uh, injuries can occur, some that neither party even intended. But if the guy's stunned and then I get him in a restraining hold, then there's there's no real fight, you see, and yeah. nobody gets hurt, especially little Peyton. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you can't look at it, look at the legal situation today. It's ridiculous. You know? but, you, so uh, you can, but you can recognize some of those those signs that, He's mm-hmm. he's looking to fight, and I know we've talked about this before. But things like clenching of the teeth, or you would look, you would always look for like certain muscle movements or certain certain indicators, yeah. biological indicators. It. Yeah. Now you know boxing will boxing teaches that very well. The you know because you learn to bob and weave, and you, boxing is chiefly the art of, of counterpunching. In other words. 
two boxers can be in a ring and maybe in, a, in one round they each throw 35 punches, but to no effect. You see what I mean? Yeah. That often happens. Why? Because they both know what boxing's about, and they, they know it's about counterpunching. So they take the juice off the blow by bobbing and weaving a little bit of their glove, and they don't take the juice. They, they don't give the opportunity for that perfect shot. However, when a boxer is knocked out in the ring, what has happened is his opponent has now gotten the guy's other boxer's rhythm, and he knows just an instant before the guy uncorks the right hook to his head, he drops down, for example, and throws a overhead right to his chin, to the guy's chin. Mm-hmm. So boxer A is, throw, is throwing a shot. He's got forward momentum. And the other boxer has read what he's going to do, and he's there already, and the collision occurs between his glove and the guy's chin. Yeah. That's why Bruce Lee said boxing is chiefly the art of counterpunching. It's when you throw your punch that you're most vulnerable in a boxing arena. Before I leave that boxing subject, let me say boxing is a great training method because you're actually hitting somebody. Yeah. And you're moving and sticking. It's, it's a great training method. Yeah. And you're training under adrenal stress because when you get hit, boom, you know, it sure. pumps you full of adrenaline. And now you see the real problem. Yeah. On well, the other hand, you can't really hit somebody with a bare hand without a glove and not break your hand. Yeah, I catch hell every time I say that. <laughs> but I said I catch hell every time I say that, but it's absolutely true. And, and you know, we, I've, I've talked about this before. In fact, we've got, I think, probably the second most viewed um uh video on YouTube all around that topic and you know half of them are are people telling me what you know what a dumbass I am and the other ones are agreeing with me <laughs> well let me say this 90% of them are saying what a dumbass I am because it's YouTube right. but um but yeah i mean there's and there's all sorts of things around that but i guess the bottom line is that you know it, you, learning how to spot those cues that you're in a fight i mean if if the if you don't want the other person to get that first strike in and, and if you don't recognize the cues that they're going that they're not letting you out of this that you're going to have to fight the last thing you want to do is try and defend against the blow you want to be able to identify okay he's not backing down i've done everything i can i've made it known that i don't want to fight so i'm maybe i'm covered there legally as well people around me will be able to testify that i tried not to fight so the only option i have now is to try and take this person out and not get into a blow-by-blow, you know, boxing match in the middle of a bar or the parking lot or something, but to take him out. So let's go ahead and stay on that boxing because most of the time what we see in boxing as a knockout is when one of the fighters lands a solid punch to the jaw. And and you can really see kind of almost in slow motion the whole head just kind of twists and, the sweat and turns. Pops off his head. <laughs> exactly. And you know, and and you can see that lights out moment there. So what makes this punch so much different than the other 1000 punches that the boxer landed on the guy? And what are the mechanics of using this type of a knockout strike, this this kind of torquing thing in a real fight? Well, uh first of the, the blower so everybody understands, it's the right hook. The right hook to the side of the chin that twists the head. And that generally affects a knockout or stuns him so much the next shot immediately put, knocks him out. The physiological, uh, what's ha- physiologically what is happening there is the brain is attached to the brain stem that runs down, the, becomes the spinal cord, the central nervous system. 
when you twist the head past its natural trival, you're also twisting that brain stem. So if that if that head is pushed beyond its natural travel and you're using the leverage of the jaw to achieve that, hitting the jaw to achieve that, that then the, the brain will short circuit for a second instant. Now when the when the that happens, when the when the first thing that happens is the knees buckle. It's see the your brain is keeping your posture, your balance, keeping your turgor in your knees and everything else. If it's switched off, all that stuff, those signals stop being transmitted, and your knees buckle and you collapse in a column. Now, you may have seen boxers take that shot. Their knees start to buckle, and they stumble back a few steps. Well, that, but see, they, they really can't defend themselves in, in that state. Hence the boxing expression, he's out on his feet. You can actually, through boxing, you can learn to fight when you're semi-conscious or unconscious. It's good you're out on your feet. When do boxers sustain the greatest injuries? When they get a partial knockout, and then the opponent moves right in with a full-on shot that really knocks them to the canvas. Uh, you know, it's, that's, that's boxing. So the method of the right hook, which is also the... Uh, the favorite technique for the sucker puncher. At some point, the guy has realized that if he makes a fist and wham, uh, hits the guy in the chin, most people will go down, will fall down. And it's true, but he can also break his hand doing that, depending on how large the guy is in relation to him. Uh, because even even a light glove, like, a, like I use where I'm riding my motorcycle, that distributes the force of the uh, blow such that you're much less likely to break your hand. But even Muhammad Ali broke his hands in the prize ring, you know, with his hands taped and a glove. So Muhammad Ali can break his hands in the ring. You can certainly break yours, too. So what's a better way then to, I mean, if you don't do the 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 um, the right hook with the fist like you're a boxer, which is what most people do, What's right. an alternative move that could get that kind of force well, behind it? move to that, just don't use a fist. Use an open heel of palm mm-hmm. and, a, and strike the same uh, arc. You know, instead of hitting the delicate bones and carpels in your fist, unless you're wearing a glove and could get away with it, uh, just hit him with the uh, heel of palm. It's the same shot, same hip movement. Rotation. You're not hitting the man with just your arm. Your, your whole body is in it. You know, your uh, your hips rotate. These are things that have to be taught, but they're not tricky at all. But it's a good blow. But you're taking a chance using a fist. Yeah, and the and the other one that I really like there is the is the hammer fist. Oh yeah, that's you know, the, you know there's a style called Chinna. And that uh, is used a lot. Instead of using the heel and palm, they use the bottom of the fist. Wham! It's the same strike. It's a little tougher to do, I think, at least for me, than just an open heel of palm. But they're all traveling the same arc as the boxing right hook, and they all torque the brainstem by turning the head past its normal travel, by hitting him correctly on the jaw, 
so that you're actually using his jaw as a lever to to, to turn the twist and axe. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Okay, we've been talking with Peyton Quinn of Ramcat.com. It's R-M-C-A-T.com about various ways that you can affect a one-strike knockout no matter how big or strong your attacker is. And we have a lot more coming up, including alternative knockout targets that you can use, an analysis of how a street cop knocked out an angry pimp in just one single blow with almost zero power, and the best way to create so much pain Not only will your attacker be out of the fight, but he'll wish he were out cold asleep on the pavement. But first, check out this special message. Imagine staring up at a 6'9", 350-pound biker dude, rage in his eyes, ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do? Without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you and your free DVD, you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man head first into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. Okay, we're back with Peyton Quinn of Ramcat.com talking about different ways that you can create a one-strike knockout in a real street fight. We have a lot more to get to, so let's go ahead and jump back in now. Uh, Peyton, when you see people in real fights, even boxing or MMA matches, everyone seems to be just kind of swinging away at the head, looking for that like that haymaker knockout blow to the front or the side of the face. But is the jaw the only part of the head that's able to really trigger a knockout? Uh, no. There, there's another one in my, the one that I favor. Well, I call this, this one I call the evangelist strike because uh, if anyone has seen, been to an, or on television seen an evangelicalist meeting, sometimes the, the preacher will, uh, hit somebody and say, demons be gone, and slap them on the forehead, and they, they, they're knocked out and collapse, and then the other prisoners catch him. you see? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, I've, I've seen it on, I like to watch their technique. <laughs> <laughs> and they know what they're doing, generally, and they are using pretty much the minimum force. Uh, what is happening, and I've used this a few times, too, is, uh, this usually gets the heavy stun rather than the knees buckling knockout. But heavy stun is all you need, really, to continue or escape. By continue, I mean strike another blow because for that instant he can't 
raise a hand to defend himself, unless he's been boxing a lot and can fight on points out on his feet. Well, this strike I call the evangelist strike, and it's like a whip. You're striking the forehead with your palm, the heel of your palm. But it's the strike has to be done correctly. Like, you know how somebody can uh, take a bull whip and pull a, uh, rip, rip a plug out of a watermelon? Yeah. That's what I mean by it's a whipping strike. And it takes a little while, it takes a little practice to, to get that timing right so that you get that energy transfer. And what happens is you're moving the head and skull back from the blow before the brain can overcome its inertia as it floats in the cerebral fluid. So there's a, the, the skull is full of the, the cerebral fluid and the brain floats in it. This allows you to turn your head real quick and, you know, your, your brain uh, comes with you and your eyes and vision and all like that. So kind of like with the, like if you're if you backed into another car or something, the stuff in the car is still moving. Right, right. But you but the car There's is stopped. There's space there between the myelin sheath of the brain and the inside of the hard bony skull. Mm-hmm. So if you can make his head snap back, then the skull remains where it is. I mean, I mean the brain has not overcome its inertia. It doesn't move as fast as the skull because it's floating. Right. The front of the brain can then crash into the inside of the uh, uh, skull. And if you do it, if everything works out perfectly, then it bounces back and hits the rear. In that case, uh, you, you feel it, you know it as soon as you've done it. His knees buckle and he'll be out. But most times, the what I call the evangelist strike it's the heavy stun, and the knees might shudder a moment, but you have to be right on to knock them completely unconscious. Now, let's look at another reality of this. It works by moving the skull faster than the brain can keep up with it, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got some monster guy with a, a, bull, you know, a bulldog neck mm-hmm. and a big skull, then this isn't going to be your first choice, you see. You got to think about things like that. You, uh, body type makes a difference in how you're going to approach it. The evangelist strike is a good one, though. There's another way to do the evangelist strike too, and that is to slap your hand downward on his skull and have gravity with you, so it pops off his skull. The brain goes forward, etc. Now, if you know some techniques. From some martial arts, like let's say a, uh, a leg throw or something, or something like that, then then the evangelist strike slapping that forehead can be your entrance to to throw, because you're creating that instant where he can't do anything, can't defend himself. So now, whack, you whip that leg out or whatever. No, I was just going to say, you know, um, I wanted to go into one other one that I that I've seen work. I mean, we've seen a lot of these. Uh, it's oh, kind of yeah. like deconstructing some of these um, these different attacks. And one of the one of the the fight scenes that I use in one of my DVDs about how to win street fights based upon like actual street fights was was one. I know you know this clip. It's basically a police officer who was taking a break during a martial arts class, and there was this pimp that was giving him a hard time, and the right. officer just barely touched him on the side of the neck, and the, and the guy just 
like his knees just buckled and he started to hit the pavement like a sack of bricks. Now, I know you've seen this scene, but what's the secret behind this knockout move that makes it so easy for someone to use, even on someone who's who's bigger and stronger than they are? Well, I did see that tape. I know exactly what you're talking about. In fact, the guy used his left hand, although it's clear he was a right-handed person. Yeah. And he, it was a reverse shooto, knife hand strike to the carotid artery, to the neck of the man who was collapsed. I also would notice this as well. The, the body type of the guy, that guy had a body type, sort of ectomorphic, uh, thin and lanky. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are more susceptible to carotid artery strikes than somebody who's got a short bulldog neck. But another thing, and I'm, I know this was a factor, the guy was obviously a little drunk. If you watch it, you see that he's having trouble coordinating his movements. Even though his hands are pointing and he's running his mouth, I think he's he's either been drinking or maybe he has a little heroin in his system or something. But that, that a little alcohol something, or a, a sedative, whatever, will make you much more susceptible to the carotid artery strike and the baroreceptors opening the heart valve and, as you say, fall like a bunch of bricks. Now, let's return to this idea of the guy can be a lot larger than you and it can still work. That's true, but size does matter. If, if, if If you are a smaller person, then you're going to have to study the technique and practice it in a way that doesn't damage your hand or anything, and that you can do reasonably repetitively without injuring your hand over the long run, so that you can get that kind of focus. Uh, I've had women in my classes who never uh, took a lesson in their lives, but by the end of the weekend, they could knock somebody out with that shooto to the most people, not everyone. People vary in their sensitivity to uh, all of these knockout strikes. Uh, As a uh, side note, many years ago I was asked to do a video with this. I won't identify him. (laughs) He he, he went to China, studied for 12 years in China, got a master's license in this style of Chinese martial arts, and he taught Scotland Yard for a while. And so after we shoot the thing, we're talking in the bar, and I said, you know, Let's call him Dan. I think, you know, Dan, the only te- the only techniques I use to knock people out, really, were the brain bounce and the shooto to the carotid artery. And he said to me, well, Peyton, <laughs> that's all I use, too, but I can't make a career off two techniques. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, if you're smaller, you're going to have to practice more so you get that focus and you learn to use your whole body in the strike. Well, is there a way? So let me ask you this. So because, um, like that, that I think everybody's you know worst fear is that guy with the bulldog neck and everything. And this one yeah. is something that you know there, you as much muscle as you build up, you can't build up muscle around like that carotid artery. So it's a worth no, it's a worthwhile target. But is there a way to kind of shut down or or basically neutralize their the strength of that neck to allow you to use this technique even even better? Yes. But again, that's something that has to be taught. It really has to do. Uh, remember, muscles can only pull; they can't push. 
so I would sometimes with my left hand push their head back, you know, slap, knock their head back with my left hand because it's the normal um, thing to keep your head erect. So involuntarily, they, they, those muscles that I want to hit are actually stiffened up a little bit, so they transmit the shock better than a, than a relaxed muscle would because they're harder and they transmit the shock to the carotid artery better. But that's really a fine point. Mm-hmm. If you hit them hard enough on the edge, you're hard enough, you're going to get the desired effect, even if it's just their eyes close for a second and, and they shake for a second. That is enough for you to either escape uh, or throw them or finish the, with another technique. Yeah. Okay. Now, now you did say earlier that you don't really have to technically knock someone out cold to be able to knock them out of the fight. So from your experience as a bouncer, what is the best way to do this? You know, when you're talking about like that, that sensory overload that basically shuts down their central nervous system, especially if you've got somebody that's, you know, hyped up on drugs. I know a lot of people say that, like, you know, pain compliance things don't work on somebody that's drunk or, you know, is, is on, they always use LSD for some reason. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. So, well, so I'll, say, I'll say this: for many people, they're not going to feel pain. In uh, once the fight gets going, they're pumped full of adrenaline. That's the whole point of adrenaline to anesthetize you against pain, so you can keep going. Yeah, it's one thing when you're in the dojo and say a keto or jujitsu, the guy cranks you up in a sankyo. Sankyo just means technique number two is a wrist lock. Well, the pain is unbelievable. You see purple dots behind a black background. And, and I'm, I do not exaggerate when I say, for real, a few times, I've actually seen people's hair stand up, like in a cartoon. <laughs> the pain is so tremendous. Uh, in the video, I take a shot from a stun gun, electric stun gun, to demonstrate sensory overload. And if you watch that carefully, you'll see my knees buckle, and I spin down. Uh, but having boxed a little bit... <laughs> Even though I'm unconscious, I knocked the weapon out of her hand before I hit the ground, but she could pick it up. And But the, the, the pain, the, there's one, I'm getting to with the one exception, but these take, these take some skill and learning, and even the way they're taught in martial arts schools, Aikido or Jiu-Jitsu, these wrist locks and such, they're not really teaching the combat form of it. The idea of the wrist lock is... Not to not to cause the pain. That's the means to take their balance. You see what I mean? So, what you really the combat form of it is, you crank them up in that wrist lock. Their toes go up to relieve the pain involuntarily. Now you've taken their balance, and you can run them into a parked car or a post or something like that. That is how those techniques are work. Work. Now, in the video, the DVD, uh, you notice that blonde girl, I look at her and I go, Sankyo, she grabs the guy's left arm, and then I, I put him in the wrist lock. So now I can completely control him because he can't use his other arm. This woman, even though she may only weigh 110 pounds, he's got 110 pounds hanging on that arm. He can't use it effectively. And so I, I crank it up a little bit. And his toes go up. And then even in the video, I gave him a little shot of it, just for realism. <laughs> that way, if any of you guys out there who are keto or jitsu people and you want to 
whip a thank you on somebody. Use it as a transitional technique to get the throw or have somebody else hold the other arm. Now, these are all martial arts things, and most people can't pull those off right. under adrenal stress and all like that. However, there is there is a technique that's not doesn't require a whole lot of motor motor skill, but and that's the striking to the eye. Even a even a the lightest strike to the pupil of the eye will knock most people out immediately because it's directly hooked to the up to the brain through the optic nerve. Uh, but striking to the eye, like I'm going to discuss, uh, this has got to be—it's got to be a very serious thing where you're facing serious and permanent injury or death. You know, uh, that's—and basically, what you do is just put your thumb against, make a fist where the thumb sticks out just a little bit, so the thumbnail is sticking out, and then you strike straight into the eye. If you do that, make a fist, and even on a table, like you know, Michael, where you can you can hit pretty hard with no damage or injury or pain to your your thumb there. Also, if you miss, your thumbnail will cut the orbital socket because the flesh over the orbital socket is pretty thin, and you've got a nice bone structure beneath it as an anvil. So if you have to do this and you miss the guy. You're still going to cut the uh, the face around the eye, and it'll start bleeding in his eye. If you've ever, you might have noticed, the face bleeds a lot from even a slight cut. It has little capillaries and uh, little veins running all through it. So you can, and some people will stop hostilities when they see their own blood. Don't count on it, but some people will. You know, yeah. so that. That thrust with the thumb to the eye is um, okay, uh, is <clears throat> something to use only in emergency, but you might want to practice it. Get a piece of clay and hit it and see, you know, hit it accurately. You know, mm. make little marks or hit it and from different positions. Yeah, I, the, this is one of those things that if you hit the eye, you can. It's almost guaranteed his knees will buckle. And he'll grab his eye, and then you can finish him off or escape. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of skill, but it does take the right mindset. You can know all the techniques in the world, but if you haven't got the right mindset, the correct fighting spirit, the willingness to engage and enter on the enemy, they may not help. That skill may not help you at all. Yeah. Good point. Well, good stuff, man. I think we we covered a lot here, and there's a lot of um, I mean, just a lot of, of things for people to visualize. And if you were facing somebody right there in front of you, you have different options now, and really, it might depend upon how they're angled towards you, or whether you're dealing with a, a skinnier person and or somebody with you know just massive amounts of yeah. muscle. Like all that depends. But you have a different toolbox now of different things that you can use that. It really doesn't. I mean, look, anybody that says that size and strength doesn't matter in a fight is lying or just, you know, that's yeah. just marketing gimmick. Know any better. Yeah, it, it, it really does. But that doesn't mean that your demise is a certainty. And no, really, not, yeah. It's it, not always decisive. No, no, no. Absolutely not. And especially if you can get in the first strike. So knowing when <laughs> when you're in a fight, knowing, being able to take that first strike 
and not just the the typical haymaker like okay i'm in a fight so i'm going to rear back and try and clock this guy as hard as i can but to think smarter and use the the body's physiological response biological response whichever it is i don't know what the which one is yeah, but yeah that's a that's a real good point you're making and i i'd like to stand on it just very yeah. briefly if you can keep your head when the guy is throwing shots at you you won't be throwing windmill haymakers with your head down, not seeing anything. I don't know how many fights I've seen, for real, in the bars and everything, but most people will be doing just what you say, throwing haymakers with alternate hands, not even looking at their target with their head down. You see what I mean? Yeah. They're not really in their self-aware minds. Uh, so if you can it's not the real secret to making any martial system work is being relaxed under the pressure of the people throwing the shots. And if you can just get a little bit of that, the enemy always gives you openings. The, very few people are so good, they don't, uh, they knock you out right away. Uh, or Unless, you know, it's a sucker punch from nowhere, and you should be more alert than that. Yeah. But yes, if you can keep your head, if you can think and be... Uh, and harness that survival instinct like a like a thoroughbred racehorse. But that's the power. But it's your your self aware brain that is controlling the reins and riding and pacing that horse. Yeah. It's it's really more that's you know, that's over somewhat overdone in the Asian martial arts. But they don't they really don't explain it in a clear manner that most people understand. They call it inner inner chi or ki or inner power. Well, it's really what that really is is relaxation, being getting to the point that you can relax. When the guy's throwing shots at you, you will if you can do that, then you will always see the uh, the mistake he's made in the opening, and then your hand or elbow or your knee or whatever, boom, will just be there. Yeah, and I see this even like in my in my martial arts class. I you know I go to Krav Maga is a local place here that I, I like going to, and and we see even experienced martial artists when they go to really throw that that one blow they really want to hit, they'll in, invariably the other hand will drop down, and that's just kind of a natural like when your body is thinking, okay, strength, 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 your body does get more strength if it's if it puts your other arm down as you're swinging through. I mean, your body knows yeah. that. So, you know, so even if you're in a fight and you don't get that first strike in, that doesn't mean you can't use any of this. Because what if you look at most fights, most guys will drop their hands and it's basically haymaker punches that come around the outside, which means that center line is almost always wide open <laughs> like a big throughway. And, you know, that's an opportunity to use something like a, a, a torque, uh, like a hitting on the jaw may or may not work. That's usually the lucky punch when, they're, when their jaw is out away from their body, but it's oftentimes tucked in in a protective way and the muscles of their neck are tensed up. But that evangelist strike, you know, especially if they're coming in on you, um, taking that center line oh, and yeah. popping that forehead can, you know, you're not, if, if you don't get that first strike in, you still have options there using this toolbox of Peyton's. Continuous attack is the key there. Yeah. Once you strike a blow and it lands with some juice, you should be able to strike another one immediately because he couldn't defend against the last one. How much better, less able is he able to defend against the follow-up shot? So don't hit the gun and 
look and see how much damage it did. Yeah. Now, it's a one-way street once you make that solid contact. Don't give them a chance to come back or defend themselves. Right. So, and that's what the stunning blow can start, those dominoes falling. Even if it doesn't knock him out on the ground, just his eyes going back and his head going back and him being out of it for a fraction of a second can be enough if you, if you take advantage of it immediately. There are other techniques to knocking people out, but uh, they're, they're too sophisticated to, you know. Yeah, I like simple. <laughs> I like Again? simple. I like simple. Total I. <laughs> yeah, I always love talking to you, man. It's always it's always great to get you on and 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 really dig into your experience. So I appreciate you taking some time today. Um, it was my pleasure, Jeff. Yeah, listen, everybody. Um, listen, it really is. Uh, this is ex- invaluable experience for you to learn from because these are these are things that were were tested in some of the toughest places that you and I probably would never even want to walk into. And uh, so there's some, there's some great opportunities there to learn from Peyton's past and, and his application of science to human dynamics as well as to just real-world altercations with people. So go check it out. Go over to his website at www.ramcat.com. That's R-M-C-A-T.com. Or just go on over to Amazon and Google his name. You're going to find a bunch of great information there, uh, a bunch of great books, not just martial arts books, but – he is a, a virtual renaissance man of uh, of different topics when it comes to writing and uh, some great stuff there. So go check it out. And until our next Modern Combat Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.